If you live in the South Metro area and have been looking for top-notch customer service, extensive beer, wine, and spirit selections, and unbeatable prices, look no further than Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. You won't find a more varied inventory anywhere else. Don't just take it from me, guys. This is Michael, and he's been shopping at Davidson's since they opened. The thing I like about Davidson's versus the competitors, it has a larger selection. And if I am going to buy Spirit, then Davidson's is usually my first choice as well because just of the size of the selection. I also like the extensive selection of some hard-to-find items. But that's not all. Every department is staffed with highly trained specialists who can help you find exactly what you're looking for. I've always found the folks that you chat with to be knowledgeable. I've chatted with the spirit staff about different bourbons and different vodkas, and I am always chatting with the wine staff about different things and saying, I like this, what else do you have that's similar? Particularly when I go to non-U.S. wines, I find them extremely helpful and helping me find something I'm looking for. What are you waiting for? Head to either of their locations in Centennial or Highlands Ranch and follow them on Facebook to stay up to date on their latest specials. And Cole gets another good righty and another right by Cole, a left by Cole this time. Tipped in front by Mika Rentinen. He shoots and scars. Nathan McKinnon. Call J.T. Comfer, 877 goes now. Gabriel Landeskog, collective hugs, 29 and 92. Save me by Grubauer. Move over, Picasso. This piece of art is by McKinnon, my goodness gracious. Welcome into the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by The Green Solution. You can visit any one of their 17 Colorado locations or browse their entire inventory online at mygreensolution.com. You can reserve products there and pick up at your local TGS Express checkout. You'll be in and out in minutes, and you can use code BSN20 for 20% off your entire purchase. I'm Nathan Rudolph. He's AJ Hayfley, and we now also officially have Evan on the team as well. The two of you were at Media Day only talking to AJ here on the pod today, but excited to actually talk to the players for the first time in months and get at least some news on some of the guys. AJ, how you doing? How was being back in the Pepsi Center? Even if there is no game, at least some players to talk to. Uh, Yeah, it was enjoyable uh, trying to trying to play whack-a-mole uh, with the, you know, playing playing cliche bingo on day one. Yeah. Um got I would say if I was keeping actual track of a bingo card, got most everything uh that I expected I would get, you know, indifference to uh in indifference to Miko Rantanen's contract situation. Uh, new guys are excited to be here. Older guys are excited to no longer be an underdog. Um pretty uh pretty standard stuff. Everybody's excited. Everybody's in the best shape of their lives, and everybody had a great summer. I saw a lot of it starts today quotes going yeah. through on Twitter there. Yeah. Uh, Matt Nieto really uh, hit the hit the the thing with the hammer 
the nail on the head <laughs> knocked out a lot of cliches. Yeah, he uh, he got it. Work starts today. You know, we just have to take it one step at a time, et cetera, et cetera. Right, right. Well, maybe the biggest news is that EJ is officially healthy, as well as Colin Wilson. So mm-hmm. I guess it's kind of the opposite. It becomes a non-story for the most part, which is good. The Avs will have him and Wilson ready to go as far as training camp is concerned. So won't see anything too crazy, it seems, at least at this point, as far as as dark horses to make the roster. You know, unless something happens in camp, which things often do. Mm-hmm. Right now, the roster is looking fairly set besides that D battle. Yeah, is it? I mean, I feel like we know 12 of the forwards. Yeah, right. And we know four of the defensemen with a pretty good read on a fifth one. At least for a little while. I I mean, I feel like, and I'm not counting Cole in that, I feel like Connaughton is probably a safe, like, probably going to be on the roster guy. How's his face, by the way? Beat up! Yeah, that bad? Well, I mean, I guess if he's here, he's healthy at least, despite taking a puck to the face. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I was looking at him as he was riding the bike, and I was like, ah, poor guy. That's rough. Never a fun time. Yeah. So, right, if if we're saying Connaughton's a safe bet, there's really one opening night roster spot available and that's the 6d right uh yeah the 6d 7d 8d sure you have the scratches as well yeah those guys because i think they're all gonna be in they're all be part of that rotation yeah especially on defense i think the 12 forwards that we're confident are that will be on the roster will be the 12 forwards on opening night and that makes sense it's you really knew that coming in, assuming players like Wilson were healthy mm-hmm. and you have guys like Kamenev and, and Nachushkin as the 13th or, or potentially 14th, but it's going to be hard to, to really fit that 14th forward on the roster at this point. Uh, yeah. I really don't know uh, where the 14th forward, uh, it, it obviously would have to come at expense of uh, a defenseman. And I, I think the, that, there's an obvious 13th forward here and then everybody else should be fighting for a spot. And honestly, barring something crazy, I think the top 13 forwards should be obvious. And then um, 8D is the way to go. But, you know, I, I asked about Vladislav Kamenev, who I think is the obvious 13th forward. And Jared Bednar said he's he, uh, along with AJ Greer, is a quote-unquote prove-it guy. Yeah. Yeah, a guy that uh, they're going to give a lot of opportunities to, but... Got to take him and run with it. Yeah, but got to... Really got to... They got to show something in preseason, something meaningful. They're going to get lots of of playing time. They're going to get in games. Uh, They're going to get different roles. And for me, I'm kind of I'm kind of iffy on like preseason being like your training ground for that. Yeah, like you're you're only using preseason to do that. I mean, that's that's a great start, 
but I just think that, you know, we've seen in the past what happens in training camp carries throughout the entire season. And that, when you're talking about young players in the AHL, that's an unrealistic way to go about handling them. Because, um, you know, a lot of times guys finish the season as better players than they started. And because they do, they weren't as good a player in training camp, they're not going to get a, a promotion into Jared Bednar's team. And so it's, you know, it's it's kind of tough that preseason, the, the, the expectation is like you have to do it in preseason or that's the end of it. Well, and it also sets up a really tough situation. We had speculated, you know, maybe Colin Wilson won't be ready for the season. And yeah. you can try and make some sense of the Nachushkin signing. Mm-hmm. Now we have confirmed that that's not the case. And if Kamenev is your 13th forward, you're looking at sending Nachushkin to the AHL on day one. And that's just a tough sell for everybody, I have to imagine. It really, I mean, it really is. I don't know where he fits, man. Yeah, I, I don't understand where he fits either. If he's not in the NHL starting lineup or scratches even, mm-hmm. does he even want to be in the AHL is something we've talked about before. Even if he does, is he anything but just in the way? I don't want to, I don't, like, I really don't want to revisit this. Yeah, uh, because because like the logic behind the signing and how we feel about it and all that, like this is no longer relevant. Now it's what happens with them on the ice, how they make the most of this, you know. And I think with when it comes to Nichushkin, it's you know assuming he's healthy, assuming he passes a physical, and assuming all those regular things happen, uh, and that he's part of this roster. Man, I I. Bender likes his veteran presence. He likes guys who have played in the NHL before. He just has that classic coach comfort with guys who have done it. I think he would end up being on the roster. I think he would probably push Kamenev off of it. I would hate that. And I don't know. I don't really know that he's an upgrade over anybody. Anybody. And because he's not a center, you can't say, well, he's an upgrade. He could be an upgrade over Belmar. Doesn't play that position. Exactly. And, you know, if if that's kind of the one thing where I think Kamenev presents an interesting option in the either or that we're talking about as as one of the camp battles we're going to be keeping a close eye on, Kamenev plays center. And he could move a guy like Belmar Belmar over to the left side, and maybe that's where Matt Nieto becomes a healthy scratch. You know, you've got some interesting depth there where you could still keep the guy that you went out and got uh, in the off season, but your young guy that you want to develop still has an opportunity to kind of move into the roster. If you end up keeping uh, Nichushkin, you know, Nichushkin has an uphill climb to prove that he's even as good uh, in a fourth line role as the two guys that, that are slate, you know, Calvert and Nieto that are slated for that job right now. Two guys that are veterans already and yeah. has relied on in the past and, and are um, honestly have an inside track to not being scratched just because they are proven PK guys. Right. And as much as you look at the analytics and say, Oh, well look at the defensive shot impacts that, uh, the, that Nachushkin had last year. And Hey, can't argue with that. They are, they are what they are, you know, and they were really good and they're really intriguing. It makes you feel like, Hey, maybe this is a pretty good defensive player. But is he good enough defensively to overcome what he did not bring offense offensively last year? 
And you know what? What happens if you end up on a with a fourth line with both Belmar and Nichushkin on it? You know that's that's a guy that with a career high of sixteen points, uh, and a guy that that had ten points last year in, and and a guy that had ten points averaging, you know, serious minutes. Not not the like Gabe Bork was a frustration to everybody last year, but he averaged like like five or six minutes of even strength uh, ice time every game. But he had eight points. He still had eight points. You know, Nachushkin finished with 10 points in, in a lot of minutes in that kind of role. And so it's it's where would he be an upgrade? You know, he's a guy that would have to come in. And we didn't talk. Bender didn't talk about him at all on uh, uh, during his presser today. But I think he that's, that's a guy that's got to climb over some bodies, too. And that's where... It gets weird that you've brought in a veteran to to climb over bodies, but yeah. my my hope is that the Avalanche don't end up paying him to sit on his couch and drink beer. So <laughs> it's time to acknowledge Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of BSN Denver. Breckenridge is the original Colorado beer established in 1990 in Breckenridge, Colorado, long before Val Nachushkin was born. You've probably heard of their delicious vanilla porter, their oatmeal stouts, and most people's personal favorite, the world-famous Avalanche, which is their classic American amber ale. But they also now have the Strawberry Sky, which we just got tweeted at us the other day. Another another lover of the beer has agreed that it's legit for us, so it seems to continue being a winner. I'm excited about that because I know AJ will drink it any chance he gets. He is always looking for it. So you can look for that just like AJ or any other Breckenridge beer for that matter at your local liquor store and keep an eye out for our Breckenridge event calendar as well. We launched it maybe two months ago now and we have all of our future events planned on it. We'll be drinking Breck beers at all of them. So please RSVP and come have a good time with us. You did mention Kamenev is a center. I wanted to touch on that a little bit as Bednar did lay down the expectations of his centers this year. Nothing surprising. McKinnon one, Kadri two, Comfort three, Belmar four. Does confirm though that it looks like they're mo- looking to move Jost away from that center position. Yeah, that was one of the things I was interested in because he did have such a strong finish to the season at center. Uh, looks like they're going to give him an opportunity on the wing. Yep. Uh, we've talked about this. We've speculated about this all summer that that's what we thought they were going to do is that they were going to put him on the wing uh, in the top six and try and give him an increased role. That's where they are right now. It's what they, that's what he talked about today. Uh, he said that right now his four centers, uh, Bedner said that his four centers would be McKinnon, Kadri, Comfer, and Belmar. No, that, that leaves Kamenev on the outside looking in and that pushes Tyson Jones to the wall. So, you know, and with no Miko Rantanen in camp, that's probably, he said that Burakovsky would be the guy that he gives the first look to uh, up on that, up on the top line. And so uh, he also added that Jonas Donskoy was a guy he was going to give an extended look to as well. So uh, those are, those are guys that I think they fit in on the right side perfectly next to Kadri and McKinnon while there's no Rantanen. And Jost puts you put Jost on the left side next to Kadri, uh, and and keep Landeskog next to McKinnon, and you know pretty easy there, and you have your top six. Again, we're not 
too concerned at this point. The expectation is still that Ranton and Will get something signed and done before the season actually gets up and going. But there has been that swirling information of what does this team look like potentially without a Ranton in, and and now we have that in the top six. Yeah, and Bedner said that they're they're you know until he signs, until he gets he shows up. Um. <laughs> they're they're moving on. Yeah, I mean, you know, I I imagine Bednar probably doesn't have a ton to do with getting that deal done, and oh, he has well, to work with not. what he has. So it's hard to work with a guy that isn't there. <laughs> Leave it at that. Definitely. Um, I I do think that the the Jost thing will be interesting. It will be interesting to see. Uh, and you know, just, just how he does on the wing when we've saw, we saw again, like his best play came as a center and they went out and they got two guys that they felt comfortable, uh, that they could, they will feel comfortable playing in defensive situations. Uh, I don't under, I don't know. I don't know about the JT comper as a three, three C thing. I, I I'm just iffy. I mean, we've talked about Comfort in the past. He's versatile. If if the three C situation doesn't work out for him, it's not that hard to move him to a different spot. But I think that's a good place to end segment one. We got plenty more to talk about as far as Bednar's expectations and and some of the players' starting points for this season. So we will be back in segment two. Second segment of the BSN Avalanche podcast, we ended off talking about Comfer and that 3C type of role. It's pretty easy to move Comfer to the wing, as I said. The question is, how do you end up sorting that as the 3C role? Is Jost getting knocked down the lineup? Are you trying to get Kamenev back into the lineup? Are you moving Belmar up the lineup? How do you sort all that out? I think um, with we'll assume put Ranton in the lineup, drop Burkowski next to Kadri, Jost next to Kadri, the top line is the top line, and then it's Wilson, Comfer, and Donskoy. Yeah. I think makes the most sense. So you kind of just are forced to run Comfer as the 3C that way. Yeah, I mean if that's if it sounds like that's what they they want to do out of the gate is run him as the 3C. Uh that's how I would build it because that's a really strong puck retrieval line with a little bit of skill uh and and some some goal scoring ability, you know. Uh, Colin Wilson we've seen can be a 15 goal guy. Uh, Comfer had 16 last year. You know, Donskoy was a 37 point player last season. So these are these are some guys that, you know, if you if you could get 35 points out of each of those three guys on your third line, it's a really good third line. Yeah. 35 points a piece on the third line is very well, got to be one of the best in the league, I would imagine at that point. Abs- I, well, absolutely it would be, man. And you know, and given Donskoy's history, you know, he's 14 goals the last two seasons. Yeah, it's kind of the range that you want to see him sit in uh, as a as a mid 30 point player. You know, three of his four seasons in the NHL, he had 36, 32, 37 points. So that's kind of what you're hoping to see from him. You know, you want to see like 15 ish goals and, you know, 20, 20 assists would be fine. Yeah, but 35 points for a guy who I'm 
still expecting him to be more of a middle six. Wouldn't be surprised to see him get a decent amount of time on the second line throughout the season. But Definitely. If it, if there, there's it does not work out with Jost or, or Burakovsky or both, he's the first guy to move up. Yeah. So it's it's pretty easy to expect a little bit more out of him, I would say, plus the consistency that you mentioned. It's more the the Confer and Wilson that you're looking at of like, man, if they get to 35 points. But I'm not too sure how fluid that is because right now the top six, you can move around a lot. You can move Burakovsky up to the first line. You can put him on the second line once ranted and signs. You can move Jost up to the first line if you want to try one of the big three on the second line. There are a lot of options there. That third line, it feels a little bit more stuck. You don't want to see Donskoy move to the fourth line. Mm -hmm. Given Wilson's role, you wouldn't really love to see him on the fourth line either. So I wonder if even if things aren't going great, are they just stuck with Comfer and Wilson on that third line? Um, I don't think so. Um, I think Wilson is a guy that you could drop to the fourth and, you know, you could uh, try to change it up. You put the skating, put a, put a guy like Calvert next to Comfer. You know, if you, if you wanted to swap that out, if you wanted to put more of a heavier group together, on the on the fourth line, you know, Belmar and Wilson is a combination, and then Calvert and Comfer is a combination on your third line where it's built around their skating ability. Sure. That's something that at least loosely was done last season at times. Calvert and Nieto regularly playing on the third line and above. Yeah. I wonder if that's if you're moving Wilson down to the fourth line, at what point are you looking at him potentially becoming a healthy scratch is, is my question here and getting a Nachushkin or, or someone else in the lineup. I think it's, I think it's absolutely possible. We haven't talked about it a lot this summer, but I think he's always kind of been a guy in the back of my mind where I said, look, he's not going to have a super long leash, right? If they really, really like Nachushkin or they really like whoever they choose as that 13th forward, they'll look to put him in. They're going to want to see what they can do, especially after a game that they lose, because you know how that's how teams operate. Yep. They love to tinker with lineups after they lose, and they don't want to touch it uh, in, uh, when they win games, regardless of optimization. <laughs> yeah. So it's, you know, it's, it's a situation where Wilson could end up as a healthy scratch sometime, uh, sometime in the season. I, I just think early on his stability and his familiarity, that continuity carrying over, especially next to a guy like Comfer who he had chemistry with, uh, that'll be valuable right out of the gate. But once everybody is kind of settled in, you know, you get to that December range and guys are kind, kind of accustomed to playing with each other no matter what. Um, then we'll, you know, the, that that focus on continuity or that emphasis on it. Uh, won't have the same effect ultimately. A situation where really we've called Wilson a stopgap over the offseason already. So that's kind of Definitely. why he falls into that category. And the other one you're looking at, as far as expendable forwards becoming a scratch for the Avs, mm -hmm. Matt Nieto on the last year of his deal as well. Those are the two most likely ones for me. 
Yeah, uh, Matt Nieto, um, we've already started talking about replacing him next year, right? Yep. How uh, a guy like Nick Henry could be uh, a long-term Matt Nieto replacement. Martin Kaut, you know, could take that job today, probably. So they have they have the organizational depth to handle uh, that kind of a loss should they want to. You know, should they not want to, but uh, should they choose to decide, hey, we're not going to bring him back or whatever. Like, I think that's where the organizational depth comes into play. And really, like, we've we've watched Matt Nieto go from playing next to Matt Duchesne when he first got here to now he's the first guy that we're talking about bumping off the lineup on a playoff team. Come a long way in a few years, huh? Yeah. I mean, it's it's a testament to the, to the work that they've done in the front office to build up this forward core. Um, I would be a little bit disappointed if he got bumped and he was healthy. Yeah. But he also has to continue to play well. And the, both of these players are players that played about 65 games last season. Wilson particularly is one that has been injured nearly every year of his career. So opportunities will come. As you said, these are probably the guys the Avs are most comfortable with to start the season. But as we go along, there are going to be opportunities, be it for Nachushkin, Kaut, Kamenev, whoever even just out of necessity, not because X is the best player. Yeah. The, the whole, Oh, if the best play, if this guy outplays this guy, then he he'll play is, is uh fan fiction to be honest. Yeah. It's just false. Yeah. Every single team consistently, especially at the bottom of their roster uh, overlooks a guy that is in some way better than the, uh, the guy that they choose to play. But the guy that they choose to play might be more consistent. He might be uh, a more veteran guy. You know, whatever the reasoning be, it's always it's always something, right? Yep. And certainly, Jared Bednar's not immune to that at all. Uh, but I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna like drill the guy for something that hasn't happened yet. But we do think that the idea of oh well, if he's if if Jared Bednar puts out the best twenty three man roster of the guys who played the best uh, who were in, who are in roster spot battles, you know, Kate Blandiscock is not fighting for a roster spot, you know, like, so let's be realistic. Uh, But if we're, if we're talking about the guys who are in, in position battles going into training camp in the preseason, if the best guys truly did win, it would be the first time in, uh, in Bedner's time in Colorado, that that was the case. Yeah. And, it it is going to be hard on that forward side because as we've said there's pretty much 12 forwards locked in and the defensive side is where maybe there's a chance maybe you could say that last 6th spot just give it to the best player here i know you talked to Callie Rosen today he's kind of the the last mystery wild card that we have that we're still waiting to see what exactly he is as far as the apps are concerned so that's kind of the one that's piqued my curiosity. You know that they brought him out for media day. Uh, you know, new partner on the beat, Evan had a really good point on Twitter today when he said, uh, you have to think that that's a good sign for him. Right. Because I was trying to think back to previous media days and I could not think of any guys that were ticketed for the AHL that they brought out to talk to the media. 
All right. Well, there you go. And Connaughton was there as well. So yeah, Connaughton was there, and we did not we did not talk to Connaughton. There was no Graves, no Barbario. Uh, I saw all those guys uh, on the bikes and stuff, but I we they did not did not talk to them. So you know, and you're not going to make too much of that. You're not going to be like, well, he talked to media day. It's locked up, but it is an interesting wrinkle. Uh, and you know, he we'll, we'll see how that goes. I, we, we really need to see him on the ice. That's of course, that's definitely like Bedner talked a lot about Bo Byram and giving him a lengthy look in preseason, you know, Kelly Rosen, another guy where you just, we've got to see what he does on the ice before we can really say too much else. Naturally you, you have to see the on ice stuff and, and media day is kind of the, the hype show, right? Where the real stuff starts tomorrow with training camp getting underway. Yeah, but yeah, it's hockey's world of like the gun show where you just go and you look at the guns, you know, all the dudes flexing, they're in great shape, best shape of their lives. Never, never been in better shape, you know, lost X amount of pounds gained X amount of weight and muscle and, you know that these dudes are ready. They're ready. <laughs> Belmar out there tearing the bike apart. So I've heard. Oh, dude, he and uh, the two guys who tore up the bike that I saw that did the entirety of the bike stuff, uh, but did not look like they were dying at the end of it. Uh, Belmar and Jost. There you go. Those they two dudes, ready. they look like they are in shape. And Belmar is cut. Yeah. Yeah, that dude, I was like, whew, impressive. As I'm sure Kevin Connaughton now knows based on the description of his face, taking care of your teeth is pretty important. Our friends at Green Mountain Dental Group are giving away a free Sonicare toothbrush when you schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam, something you might need to do after taking a puck to the face. So you simply have to take care of your teeth for Green Mountain Dental to hand over a free Sonicare. Check them out today online or call 303-988-0711 to schedule your appointment today, and we will be back for the final segment in a minute. Third and final segment of the BSN Avalanche podcast with Nathan and AJ. We're here talking about media day mostly and and just kind of sitting around waiting for training camp to get underway. To be honest, we talked about Callie Rosen. We've talked about Kevin Connaughton perhaps having the inside line to one of those defensive spots. The reality is the abs have leaned pretty heavily on wanting to give Byram as much opportunity as they can. He may well end up taking that sixth spot initially, which is going to make it a bit of a carousel. As you've said, AJ, there's going to be some rotation going through the defense. How do they manage that, especially with probably having to send some guys they may eventually play down to the AHL? That's the question, right? Yep. Like that's really one of the big keys of this preseason is how do they manage all the bodies? You know, at forward, you could argue that the guys that were really talking about competing for an NHL spot, you know, the 12 forwards and then that we expect uh, on opening night, plus Nachushkin, plus Kamenev, plus Greer, uh, plus maybe Kaut, plus maybe Logan O'Connor, and plus maybe Sheldon Dries. So I'm at that that using my little fingies, I'm up to about 16. Four extra guys, essentially, as far as playing yeah. in the lineup goes. So 16. 
you know, and then you look at the defense and you've got your top four of Gerard, uh, Makar, Zadorov, Johnson, and then, you know, Cole later, but for right now, no Cole. And then after that, like everything is pretty unsettled. You know, you've, you've got Connaughton, you've got Barbario, uh, you've got Byram, you've got Graves. Even potentially a Timmins. Timmins. Callie Rosen. I mean, six extra, six guys competing for the third pairing plus the seventh or eighth D man spots. Right. It's, it's a spot and a half, basically, of actually in the lineup and then scratches. And that's not even including if you don't make the team, you may well end up behind a Daniel Ranouf or McDonald, something like that. Right. So the D side of things, given that there's only six spots, it just gets so tight so quickly that you're going to have to manage it. And sure. You can say, all right, we'll give Byram his games and we can send Rosen down because he's non-waiver eligible to start things, but it's going to get messy very quickly. It is. Uh, It is definitely going to get messy. And, And to be honest with you, the waiver situation on defense, I don't care. Yeah. You know, with Barbario, with Connaughton, I don't care. Right. If if Callie Rosen outplays those guys, he needs to be on the roster. If your opening night third pairing is Bowen Byram with Callie Rosen because they were the best players in preseason for you, first of all, that'd be awesome if that worked out. But second of all, do it. You know, don't feel what I'm worried about is that they will be like, okay, Bo Byram earned a job. Now we have to send Callie Rosen down or we have to sit him because we want him to play with a veteran guy in a Kanan or in a Barbario where you could be actively making your lineup worse just so you can tether a young player to an anchor. The veteraniness, if that's what you want to call it, doesn't necessarily equate to the best thing for a young rookie there, right? Right. Maybe it does. Maybe there is some leadership qualities that you can help there, but there's a certain level of baseline play that you need on the ice from that player he can't just be a mentor and a black hole right well when we saw you know the, t- to be honest Patrick Nemeth raised the level of what a third pairing defenseman should be like around here he did you know for Straight years up. we saw incompetent bad defensemen uh, and then Patrick Nemeth left and rightfully so like did not need to keep him uh, but he left and went and got another NHL job Right. He's and not the, out of the league. <laughs> there's a reason for that. Like, they did not sign. The Avs were not, will not be signing the last NHL paycheck to, to Patrick Nemeth. He was a legit third-pairing guy, and they need to, at minimum, get that level out of whoever they decide to play. And if they if they don't get that, then they need to look elsewhere. They need to just keep cycling through those guys until they find who's the real third-pairing guys. If they're insistent on this Bull Byram thing, and it sounds like they are at least in the preseason, then don't the, the idea that they and they're going to play him in all situations. And this is what you and I talked about the other day. PK, who's yep. going to help with the PK there? If Byram's playing, it's Byram, and that means that your value for a guy like Kevin Kanan just tanks. Right. If if he's not necessary on the PK, all of a sudden. What's the point? Yeah. Straight and, up. And, and as you said, 
Bednar in his tenure here has not often gone with the best player available as far as earning a job in training camp, but this defense is providing an opportunity to really do that with no regrets. No, absolutely. You're right, man. I mean, it's, it's, it's maybe we haven't seen Bednar do it in the past because he wasn't comfortable with the talent level involved. He would rather take the known quantity like a Gabe Bork who were, you knew where the ceiling was, but you knew where the floor was and you knew that you were going to get the floor at, mi- at minimum every single night, but they weren't that far apart. Whereas other guys, maybe the ceiling is a lot higher, but the floor is a lot lower and the variance is a lot greater. You don't know what you're getting night to night. Coaches don't like that. They like consistency. And that's for, for one thing. That's why Bel- Belmar is even here is because teams love that stuff. And, this is an opportunity. There's enough talent on this on this blue line that they can kind of make that they can make that statement. You know, we're gonna go with the talent. We're gonna put it, we're putting our we're throwing our hat in the ring with the talent. They can lean on their top four anyway, so that third pairing is going to get sheltered, especially with Byram on it regardless. It's very easy to say, look, we're just going to put the two best guys we have down there and we'll throw them out in opportunistic situations and, and do it. 100%. So I would I would love that the way that change in philosophy, that approach, much better. Yeah, I'm I'm all behind that as well. You said Connaughton likely has the inside line, maybe Byram at least at the start of the season after that. I'm curious if you had to do a hierarchy of the defense, and this is purely just speculation going down. What do you think the the current standings are as as far as making that spot? Given how Bednar talked today, I'd I'd start with Byram. There you go. He really was insistent that they're going to give him a lot of looks and they're going to give him a lot of time and they're going to put him in all the different situations. Uh, that to me is a team looking for an excuse to keep a player. Um, so I think that that uh, I would say probably Byram. I, I think probably Rosen and Connaughton are on the same level of shiny new toy. Um, I think Barbario was there because he's uh, a known quantity for them. Last year was a lost season, but they know when he's when he's right and he's going well. They know what they've got in him, and they know that it's it's passable. Yep, that he's a he's a fine rotational guy. Uh, but then, you know, after that, you know, I think Graves is probably trailing him on the outside looking in yeah he needs a really strong camp even though they liked what they saw last year i think that all the guy all the bodies they brought in said hey we liked what ryan graves did for us last year it was a pleasant surprise but we're not gonna we're not gonna lean on that we'd much rather he be our ninth guy than our sixth guy and hey if ryan graves is truly your ninth best defenseman your defense might actually be pretty good so, I can't help but notice Connor Timmons is not on this list. Uh, I think that that's a wait and see. As yeah. much as like that was like my hot take, and like, but even then, I still said fifty games. So, uh, you know, that's I still fully expect that they want to give him a full month in the AHL. 
They want to give him lots of lots of minutes, lots of situations to to get his timing back and to get all that. I don't think it's realistic for him to come out of out of camp with that job. Uh, I love talking about Byram and Timmons together. I hope they continue to do it. I definitely would love to see that if they just played him in games together uh, and they were fighting for jobs side by side. And, you know, they're, you know, they, they're like the dudes from double dragon, like the karate bros. <laughs> and they end up, they end up stealing that job and, and taking it and doing its thing. That amazing. But just maybe not quite realistic to do that from night one. Yeah, if if Timmons had played last year, this would be a very different conversation. But because he hasn't had any high level competition, you know, as Greg Cronin mentioned, hey, the, the the rookie tournament is a league below the AHL, and we know Connor Timmons can succeed below the AHL, right? So I still think that a month in the AHL, maybe two months in the AHL, let him get his timing back, let his let his confidence return, let him get all the way back in a hundred percent, and then start having that conversation. Uh, but but before before he is able to do that, I think that's still just too much. It's still asking just a yeah. little bit too much. We said it before. Connor Timmons has never played against professional competition. He's never played a professional game of hockey. So yeah, that's a that's a big jump to make. And on the flip side of the coin, we're talking about Byram just jumping in and doing it, but. As good as Timmons is, there's a bit of a talent disparity there. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, yeah, it, it's a big, big ask for someone like Timmons to jump directly into the NHL. And you know, maybe anything can happen in camp. If he shows up and scores a hat trick in preseason game one, that might change everyone's tune. But the reality of the situation the more games he can get into and, and prove he's ready for pro hockey, the better. A hundred percent. Definitely. Like uh, if you look at like two young guys here, Rosen and Timmons are in completely different situations. Yeah. You know, Rosen two years in the AHL looking to make the leap, you know, Timmons still trying to start his pro career. Right. And Timmons has the kind of talent where I think he could pass up Rosen come mid season. But as of today, like Rosen is, is I think the, the smarter option to bank on at the beginning of the year. We get into the same conversation that Bednar has to have of, of Rosen is much more of a known quantity than Connor Timmons is Rosen. Definitely just not in the NHL, which right. is always, how much is he going to value 300 games of Kevin Connaughton over what he sees right in front of him in training camp? Exactly. In, in Cali Rosen, if Cali Rosen, is significantly better than, than cannot. you know, that's obviously that's step one for any of these guys is you have to play really well. I don't think even given, even with an experience advantage, I think if a guy plays really poorly, uh, given the depth that they have at all positions this year at well, at forward and defense this year, uh, if a guy plays really poorly, he's, and he's a bubble guy to begin with. Uh, I, I would be really surprised to see that guy make it. You got to earn your keep. And that starts on ice at least tomorrow. So final. How excited are you to be yeah, back at that? Rink? I know I cannot wait. Is it 8 a.m. tomorrow morning already? Can we just fast well, forward the 8 a.m. part? I'm like, dude, and, <laughs> yeah. and a four hour day. Like it's, it's, it's a long day because then we have to come home. You and I have to record a pod. Evan and I have to do a bunch of writing. Uh, 
there's a lot to it. Yeah. And I'll be doing videos from the rink again <sighs> as well. So God, I can't wait, man. It's going to be so much fun. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm so ready to get into actually covering things that this team is doing instead of it's off season. <laughs> yeah. Right. Instead of, instead of, trying to figure out what to talk about let the stories write themselves exactly so i guess final thoughts on this this last day before training camp and and heading into it um i like the attitude you know matt calvert it's all about winning don't care about my role yep you know belmar don't don't care about the playoffs right now we need to learn how to play together as a team it's all about the preseason and preparing for game one, you know, we're not looking too far down the road. Got to figure this out now. Um, love that. Love the attitude. It's easy to say all the right things on media day, but it's another thing to go and do all the right things on day one of training camp. I'm ready. I'm ready to it. You and I have spent all summer talking about it. And we're finally this next episode. We will have actually seen NHL training camp underway line combos, pairings, battles, the works i am amped there you go ready to to come at you after tomorrow's practice and tell you who is in the best shape because that's always what day one of training camp is but we're really looking forward to the season i hope all of our listeners are as well we'll leave you there thank you for listening as always and you will hear from us training camp things tomorrow You know what's so great about our BSN family? That we now have multiple subscribers that have partnered with us to help promote their business. Chad with Houselift has an incredible service for you. If you or your friends are thinking about selling your house, but it's not in tip-top condition, go to houselift.com. They will show you how to maximize your profit. If your house is in need of an upgrade, Houselift can assist in eliminating all the stress of the remodeling process while matching the current trends that buyers most desire. And get this, there are zero upfront costs from you, the homeowner. That's right, you won't pay for any of the upfront costs for the remodel until your house closes. Houselift will handle everything from the contractors to the design while managing these costs. Here's what you need to do. Head to their website or Facebook page, both at houseliftcolorado.com, and check out the incredible remodels Houselift has done for homeowners here in the metro area. In past jobs, Houselift has put anywhere from fifteen to $60,000 more in their clients pockets. Call 303-885-7888 today and find out what Houselift can do for you. Oh yeah, if you hire one of Houselift's preferred realtors, they'll sell your home without charging a listing commission.